Sisters in the Shadows is in aid of Nordif Robbins. Nordif Robbins is the largest independent music therapy charity in the UK, dedicated to enriching the lives of people affected by life-limiting illnesses, isolation or disability. Their music therapists are expertly trained to tune into each movement, reaction and expression of the individuals they work with to discover how music can enrich their lives. They are absolutely brilliant. But they receive no government funding and so rely on the generosity of their supporters. Charities like Nordif Robbins are really struggling these days and need your help more than ever. As a musician and a music lover, I know firsthand of the healing powers of music. It can lift your spirits, unite people and touch your heart in ways nothing else can. And the amazing therapists at Nordif Robbins use that power to help some of the most vulnerable people in society. If you love music and care about people, and I know you do, I ask you as a proud ambassador of Nordif Robbins Music Therapy Charity to help support their important work today. Just go to nordof-robbins.org.uk to find out more. That's nordof-robbins.org.uk. Welcome to Sisters in the Shadows, Women in Blues and Jazz. I'm your host, Colette Cooper. Thanks for joining me. How are you? In this series, I like to shine a light on the female stars of blues and jazz. And today is no exception. Because today's show is dedicated to the legend that is Sister Rosetta Tharp. is a clean train you know this train Sister Rosetta was born this in Cotton Plant Arkansas in 1915 she came from a musical family and was a child prodigy mastering the guitar by the age of six she performed on the gospel circuit with her mother Katie Newbin a traditional gospel shouter she began recording in the 1930s with gospel hits like this train and down by the riverside that attracted a white secular audience but often alienated gospel purists. Her mix of spiritual lyrics and rhythmic guitar was a precursor to rock and roll. She also pioneered a distorted electric guitar sound that influenced electric blues of the 40s and 50s and the British blues guitarist in the 60s like Eric Clapton, Jeff Beck and Keith Richards. Her record, Strange Things Happening Every Day, was the first gospel record to become a top 10 crossover hit in 1945 and is considered by many to be the first rock and roll record ever. 
She toured often with the vocalist Madame Marie Knight and other big stars such as Cab Calloway and Muddy Waters. Her foot-stomping performance and guitar playing wowed audiences and earned compliments like, wow, you play like a man. Sister Rosetta suffered a stroke in 1970 and died in 1973 at the age of 58. She was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame as an early influence in 2017. Rosetta was known as the godmother of rock and roll and without her there would have been no Elvis who stole her every move or Chuck Berry or Little Richard or Johnny Cash or even Aretha Franklin and the rest is history. My guest today is one of my faves, an absolute inspiration to me, Soweto Kinch. He's extremely multi-talented and you can feel his passion for music and everything he does. His latest release is called The Black Peril, based on the race riots of 1919 and it is seriously phenomenal. He and I had a great chat a while ago and we chatted about music, politics and all kinds of things and he started by telling me how far back his inspirations went. Well, yeah, I was inspired by by a period of music and history that predates the term real, really jazz. Yeah. Jazz had only just started to become used. Uh, the original Dixieland yeah. band was recorded in like 1917. Yeah. People were struggling to find the words for this black energy, this black African verve that was yeah. communicated through popular music, popular dance crazes at the time. So that's why jazz was spelt with two S's at the beginning or yeah. even had quite ugly sexual connotations, jazz, jazz, uh, yeah. jungle music. Yeah. You know, much like jungle was calling that same black energy from, in a different way in, in yeah. the UK in the 90s. It's sort of, you can imagine these people from the outside not knowing how to put words to the feeling that this yeah. music engenders and just coming up with jungle, drum and bass, uh, grime, yeah. uh, jazz, jazz will do. Yeah. And so for me, I wanted to communicate that raw energy, that raw passion that traverses lots of different... Have what we call genres today, yeah. you know? Yeah, thank you. And you really have. You've really done that. And do you feel, I, I don't know about you, but I kind of, I feel this part of me. Sometimes I feel a bit embittered by it. But when, when you know, like you say, when jazz really, you know, where it really comes from and what it's really about. Mm. And then I where feel it's, <laughs> it's carried into a very white middle class. Part of it's quite elitist, you know. Yep. And not every kid can afford, you know, a saxophone, let alone a guitar or any form of musical instrument. And I'm not begrudging kids who are able to have that and they go to music schools. That's great as well. But I, mm. I just feel it's so much harder for talented um, kids. Well, who I was come just having through. a chat with, yeah, absolutely. Just having a chat with Terry Lynn Carrington, an incredible drummer, yeah. pioneer, somebody who's worked with all the greats, Wayne Shorter and Herbie Hancock. So we were sitting down after. I did a guest slot with her last year. Yeah. And she was describing, you know, a young student is a good friend of mine that she teaches. And mm. she was like, I say to her all the time, are you a warrior? Are you a warrior? Yeah. And I thought she was referring <laughs> to the, the seminal jazz warriors of the 1980s. No, no, she means it in a far wider sense. Like, do you really mean this? Yes. Do you really want to play this music? Yeah. And that's what I think this age, this time of quarantine is going to really show. Yeah. Those people who just sort of have to play this music. Yeah, some of them have gone to well patronized music venues, other um, and colleges and conservatoires. Some of them can't afford to, but yeah. the common 
denominator is that people have to make this music. Some people have to make this music. Yeah. It's and a calling. It's a conviction. It's a calling. And, and other if... people just see it as a gig. It's just a, a, a nice little hustle. That's right. And You're so right. And, and, and I feel when you have to do it, like you said, no matter if you come from no money, money, you'll find a way. Yeah. It finds you. That's right. Do you know what I also love about you? Because you're not just a musician, when I say that. You're not an artist, and you really are an artist in every sense, because you. you've done acting, you've, you act as well, don't you? Yeah, a little. Um, and your mum's an actress. Your mom an act- even, yeah, that's the background I really come from. In some, yeah. some respects, maybe I should have been a thesk. Yeah, but uh, you are, because a lot of your scores. music is quite yeah. theatrical. Sure. Absolutely. It's dramatic. I think that's something, it's dramatic. Yeah. Stories as well. And so yeah, much of what storytelling. I've been in my childhood. Yeah. It's, it's definitely inspired by that background in theatre and, and the power of narration to, to really get an audience thinking, to transform society in some way. So I've always grown up seeing the power of art, the transformational yeah. power of art. Because I do, I, I see you as an artist without sounding wonky, as opposed to you mm. know, a musician. You are an artist. And do you, would you like to, in like say in the future, would you think about doing more acting or? Um, I try not to think about things purely in terms of form. Yeah. It's really the story. It's what's the energy, what's the emotion that I'm trying to convey? What is yeah. the reaction that I want to get out of an, out of an audience? Um, at the moment, you know, with the Black Peril being, I guess our, our touring being on hiatus. Like, yeah, of course. I, I had a long chance to, to think really and strategize with the choreographer. Jade Hackett, who's an incredible, incredible dancer, performer. Again, yeah. her own skills traverse all these different areas. She sings, she yeah. acts, she dances and choreographs. That's um, and I just think it's about communicating the message. Yeah. If that means that I'm on stage dancing or acting to do so, yeah. great. I think um, it's I think it's brilliant. I th- I love how, I love the concept of what you're bringing in. It, it is really clever. Yeah, and that's that's or to some extent the theatrical background I've grown up in as well. From a West Indian or African perspective, a lot of those inspiring, inspirational figures around me were big advocates of holistic approaches to the arts, ones that didn't demarcate or rigidly categorise dance, music, visual arts over there and all the yeah. sub-genres within it. It's a more holistic inclusive approach to the arts and what is the story what's the message behind it yeah because i sometimes find um people like to put you in a box and mm. what are you an actor a musician what are well, you doing that now you're doing this or you should just yeah. stay with that or and it, that's not the case like you say arts yeah. art you can do whatever you want to convey emotion well you know, i'm going to sound like a, a radical trot on one of my militant tirades right now but that's yeah. just capitalism it's yeah surely the marketplace and how yeah. it needs to compartmentalize, ultimately dehumanize people, put them in yeah. a nice box so they're easy to sell. Control them. Easy to, absolutely. People that traverse different genre categories or different yeah. art forms are not as easy to sell and they'll mix and cross-pollinate audiences and we don't know what to do with that. Anymore. It's so, so like true. People say, oh, we don't know what to do with you. Are you this? Ooh. Are you that? Well, ooh, Which one are yes. you? Yes, <laughs> whatever I want, yeah. <laughs> you know. Well, uh, most notably in my kind of career path, uh, I bucked up on, I guess, the power of what was then music music retail, when yeah. when they had any sort of traction on the high street. And I wanted to be double racked, as it was called. I wanted to have my album in the jazz department and the hip-hop yeah. department. The, the, I guess the swiftness with which I was slapped down 
and some of the remarks which were secret but sort of leaked to me. They weren't supposed to get back to me. Yeah. It's basically expressing this is all about money. You oh. don't get that sort of, of placement. Course. It's not based on the money. It's not based on the music. It's based on how much you Absolutely. can pay for yep. that visibility. They're looking at who's going to buy it, who's this. It's all about marketing. You're absolutely right. But you have done both anyway. I've been, I've been really lucky. I've been you really know. blessed to be able to do so. But I think that was a big epiphany for me and for an audience more widely. I've been keen to communicate that ever since. Yeah. That just because you see someone on the front cover of that magazine, it doesn't mean that it's because the directors of that magazine really like that artist or that DJ really wanted to play that song six times every hour on the hour. Yeah. Um, there's things called radio plugging. It seems immensely naive for me to not have known this until about the age of 25. I but know. I still contend that most people in the world don't know that. They just think, oh, they're really big because they're good. Because they're good and people like them. No, it's not the case. Now, my, my uh, partner and producer actually has worked um, for, and I know you've worked for the BBC. You had a show on BBC mm. Three, didn't you? Um, he's is an exec producer on the, the radio, BBC. He was one of the team members that brought six music together all those years ago mm. but you know he'd say the same to me he said it is so political you know it's so political i mean if you've got a vast amount of money behind you anyway you can make something absolutely crap but it'll still get out there which we know this happens anyway and Absolutely. you get the plugging and you get this and people get, it's all political when they get the but, song. You know, that, can we give me a, a nice segue? I don't know if we're going to talk about this at all, but the current situation with the Labour Party, I feel like my journey with politics, more overtly talking about party politics and stuff, yeah. completely dovetails from my experience with record companies and with the industry. Because here was this sclerotic industry telling me, no matter how many notes I play, I can yeah. wrap my heart out. You're not going to get seen unless you pay the right people, unless you have the right machine behind you. Absolutely. And then to see basically Jeremy Corbyn's leadership, I'm going to sound like a fan, but yeah, I am. We're Labour-based, don't worry. That's all right. Defy all of that logic. The fact that he got elected by an accident, effectively, people just thought he can't do any damage. And then to swell the memberships, half a million people, to have people singing his name at Tranmere Rovers, that sights and yeah. spectacles that you would never have expected to see for, for yeah. a politician. It was against the grain of this very manicured and managed political so scene. That's a complete analog to, to music. Yep. You, know, you think that politician's really cool because you see them all the time on television and they seem credible. Yeah. But what about the people who are excluded, who aren't seen on or heard yeah. by music? Um, these these it- tastemakers, they're not permitted in by the gatekeepers. But how do we really change that? I mean, what the what a great thing is how the record labels, for example, now are just going, falling like mm. flies. And yeah, people are not, are not using them. Yeah, yeah mm. exactly. And doing it, doing it themselves. And it is goodbye because they're crooks. And because all the, the um, people are now, uh, musicians, artists are able to do stuff themselves, which is great. Mm. I mean, what choice do we have? They're everywhere I look, I'm exactly. being ripped off. The only place I'm not ripped off is when I sell my own merchandise and yes. shows directly to audiences. Yeah, exactly. You know, everywhere else. And if it's not about the markups that people sell for uh, charge for distributing your music, it's about what you have to pay to get it visible in the first place. Yeah. It's about which gatekeepers you have to schmooze to, yeah. to let your work be considered great. So the audience is never really evaluating a level playing field. No, when you know, a, a lot of times the audience... You know, they don't get to see 
these brilliant musicians because it's overcrowded with artists that are, like you say, you know, they've they've got a great, powerful team machine behind them. So, and hopefully that will change. Maybe it will change. Maybe this time now it will change. Who knows? I mean, I woke up, it sounds strange and counterintuitive. I woke up a couple of days ago after having all of the pain and the, it's just hard to describe how upset I get at the state of this country and the mishandling of the crisis. No, I get it. But also deeply thankful that I I have a craft. Yeah. I play music. I'm not just famous for for being a star or something diffused. No, you're you're deeply talented. Two saxophones and, well, it's not just talent. I've had time to work on But you've got, you've got passion, but you've got passion for it. And you, you've got to be thankful for that because at least you've got that. There's some people have got absolutely nothing. And maybe I'm being complacent, but I think that will always be in demand. People who produce something who actually create inverted commas. Yeah. dance, music, visual arts, there will be an audience for it. It's going to be hard to find the audience, but there'll always be an audience. There'll always be an audience, and we need it. We mm. need it more than ever right now. We need, I keep telling everybody, everybody from people who from to sew, sing, dance, just keep being creative right now. It's so mm. important to be creative. Mm. Don't let it go. Don't be complacent. Just be creative, whatever it takes. Absolutely just got yeah. to now i want to ask you if you don't mind i'm i'm a massive supporter of women in blues and jazz sure. um, and i noticed there was quite a few amazing females when i had the absolute pleasure of seeing your rehearsal that was just like the highlight of my year do you know that i was like oh my god i was in meltdown i mean mine too in, in a way because you know i don't want to sound pretentious but i like to think of myself in my most lofty moments as down with the, you know, dismantle the patriarchy and down yeah. with anti-misogyny and, and all of that. But I never want it to be contrived. No. And the makeup, and particularly the, the individuals in that ensemble, you're talking about Rosie Turton, oh. Hannah Boyer. I mean, they're just such a pleasure to work with and to know. Yeah. Sonia Konate, I mean, it's my first time working with her and there was no sense of like, let me just get a female guitarist. She played the banjo. She's yeah. recommended through the Tomorrow's Warriors uh, circuit. And I think that network there has really started to reflect the diversity and the challenging of some of the misogyny that stops women from even taking up the instrument in the first place. Exactly. Since the likes of um, my homegirl, Ona K. Tibbs, and since, you know, Cassie Kenoshi, Noraya, the whole force that is Noraya and and Nubaya Garcia, obviously, they've thankfully provided a pathway for other young women to be inspired and to they have they they really really have because i still feel and you'll probably agree with me it's still quite male dominated and 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 maybe that's for many reasons you know look girls want to do other things growing up before they'll decide to pick up an instrument or but i feel there's more women coming through and it's it's great it's great to see it is and also i just think we shouldn't forget it's a conversation i remember having with zoe Rahman. Uh, great pianist and Terry Lynn Carrington, yeah. who I mentioned yeah. earlier, that this, you know, it's not, shouldn't be new. There were all female jazz orchestras in the 1930s. That's right, exactly, exactly. Mary Lou yeah. Williams, yeah. the sort of, you know, Hazel, uh, I forgot her name, Hazel Scott. Yep. Uh, incredible musicians. Rosetta Tharp, for goodness sakes. Oh my like, gosh, she's one of my favourites. So I think we need to examine how we've forgotten, where did the amnesia come from? Yeah. Where, why were all these women just sort of written out of history? 
Yeah, and it's it's strange, but but now and you'll you'll know this. Like jazz now has really kind of taken. It's become really more popular with like really young people of you know yeah. sixty, you know fifteen, sixteen. They're not listening to whatever they listened to before. It's become it's become more fashionable again. It's come back, hasn't it? And um, in a big in a big way. So I feel maybe girls are. And are picking up the instruments now. The thing I'm enjoying about it is it's just wide open in terms of identity, in terms of how you want to express yourself. I don't yeah. think there are some of the constraints or some of those conventions which which kept people limited in what they felt they could say or do yeah. are now just sort of collapsing. But I'm also, yeah, and I don't know if you true. want to follow me down this conversation. Go on, Fred, go on. I'm also really fascinated by the sort of Karen conversation on on Twitter, on social media. This idea that usually middle-aged, middle-class white women um, are sort of using or leveraging their perceptions of sexism to basically bully people <laughs> and to, to yeah. talk down to women of color, to talk down to other minorities. Yes. It's something that I've seen in the jazz world for a very long time and just wider in culture. Why is that? A, I don't know, but there's a totemic example of it. I'd like to branch off from there. But yeah. it's, it's, um Patricia Arquette is a brilliant actress, but I was yeah. so disappointed when she stood up at the Oscars. It must have been about six or seven years ago. Now. I know about this. Yeah, go on. Yeah, do you remember? She's like, oh, yeah. the women, have, uh, the gays have had theirs, the blacks have had their justice. When are women going to get fair pay? Yeah. And it's not like fair pay was a bad thing to call for. It's just why does it have to be predicated on saying? But why does she have to pinpoint? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Why does she? I know what you're saying. There is a lot of that. But There's that's... a lot of that. There's a lot of that going on, and I think that'll always go on, to be quite honest. I don't think that'll ever change. Yeah. Do you? I don't think so. I think you're right. I think it's it's how people leverage power, you know, and having black skin doesn't prevent, doesn't preclude people from no. just being power, money-grubbing liars, uh, yeah. unfortunately. I just think that people's backgrounds, racial, gender-wise, um, yeah. should should give them so some sort of sense of the sacrifices that have gone into to let their journeys be possible um, it is about backgrounds really isn't it i mean you know you're you're lucky because you've got probably your dad's a playwright right and mm -hmm. your mum's an actress so they're very liberal people and open-minded people you're coming sure. from a background that it's going to reflect on you're going to you know you're going to reflect that growing up and that's the problem mm -hmm. it's always start with the parents never the children so I think it's you know it's true, right? So sure. why we're always going to have that, I think, and that's just mm. about educating people who are ignorant, basically. There's also empathy, and I, I think that might be something we can learn. Yeah, I just think that now is definitely a time to sort of reflect, to draw in on ourselves, and ask ourselves what really matters. If you're navel scratching and worried about your position and your power and your level of influence yeah. and how it might shift, that you haven't yeah. got lots of gigs. Or how you know you need to leverage Instagram likes into money now. Yeah, I think you're missing the point. Yeah, really I do. totally agree with you. I wish part of me hates it, and part of me hates social media. I'm not going to lie, but oh. it's but it's a great platform, and we need it, especially now. We need it to to convey what we you know some truth and use it in the right way, like you're saying. You know, use it in the right way, and it's very transparent how people are using these platforms, and yeah. We should be supporting people. We should be helpful, and we should be creative with a message. You know. Yeah, and it's kind of it's a hard balance to to strike 
I'm obviously still got to eat and well, exactly. And yeah, you've still um, got you've still yeah, we've still got to eat. We've got to survive. I'm also focused on generosity. That's that's the thing. We need that gift of music, that gift of you know communion, if you like, that people gathered around a YouTube stream or otherwise will need. Yeah, so that we we shouldn't be so focused on how much we're getting remunerated for it. Or, yeah, I know. I, I loved what you said on Instagram actually about worshiping money. You know, mm. because I think maybe good thing. You know, some good's really going to come out of it. People who who are like that, it's going to be a case of they're not going to be have as much money. They're not going to make as much money, so they can look at the more valuable things in life. Mm. Hopefully, but it's also quite embarrassing, isn't it? I mean, those yeah. countries that didn't think about money first. Thought about the health implications, shut yeah. down everything quickly. Yeah. And now in a position to resume their economic activity. New Zealand. New Zealand. Right on it. Obviously, South Korea. Yeah. You know, the European countries that didn't and thought about other measures or other indices of what was more yeah. important, i.e. money, are experiencing three-month lockdowns. And we're going to be in this for, even after, I think, they start to lift restrictions in May. I think yeah. the consequences of, of the inaction or the but, I mean, greed uh, will be felt. Yeah, it's going to be a long time. But I think they're probably going to, instead of blaming Brexit now, they're going to blame this, aren't they? So, yeah, of course. God knows what, you know, we were fucked after Brexit anyway, let's face it. Yeah. But of course, I'll just well, say, this oh, is it. I mean, this is the, my joyful position as, uh, it's, it's difficult sometimes, but from my, my privileged vantage point as an independent artist, yeah, I'm not beholden to any sort of label or political I know, and that's that what I love. Me. It's brilliant. That's what I absolutely love. You've got your own label. You've done all that yourself. Yeah. Um, yeah, you're not behind. I, I remember in 20, uh, in 07, I had radio pluggers when I was going to blog and sort of curse out HMV yeah. and Virgin and that. Like, they were like, don't do that. You're going to offend our biggest allies. You can't, you can't complain. And I'm like, look, <laughs> these people look, are not our friends. No. Be the government, be, you know, selfish interests yeah. behind them. So we, we have a duty to remember you know, we have a historical and artistic memory. We have a duty to archive and log all the things that are happening and how they affect us as human beings first, yep. let alone artists. And then to whistleblow, you know, all of the work that we're creating that reflects on these things just needs to come out. Be it charged, be it behind the paywall, it doesn't matter. It just needs to come out. But I absolutely love We See You. I Thank you. I just think it's genius. It's brilliant. I can't wait to to hear it in its entirety when you put it all together. You're going to add more music and you've been working well, on yeah. it. Yeah, I'm working on it some more. I've, I've thrown it up on YouTube already because I just think... It's I, important now. No, you're yeah, absolutely I don't right really to do that. I don't care about how I point, I'm signposting people to my Spotify things to support, to download yeah. stuff. But actually on that, uh, on that point, if people do want to support, please go to my Patreon, which I've just set up. Yeah, I think that's a pretty oh, easy way. So it's patreon.com forward slash Soweto Kinch, one word S O W E T O K I N C H P A T R E O N dot com, patreon.com forward yeah, slash. That. Excellent. Okay, you. well, I'll be going straight to that after this, that's for sure. Because you're just absolutely yeah. fabulous. I'm, I'm your biggest fan, I think. Oh, I feel it. <laughs> I feel the love. One more thing I wanted to ask you quickly. So you curated a, an art show, is that at the South Yes. Bank? Another me, yeah, that's correct. So what, what made you decide to do that? I was approached, which is yeah. the most practical answer. They were yeah. looking for musicians or, or artists uh, from outside of the visual arts tradition to yeah. curate this incredible collection of, of inmate art 
it was really moving to get to look through their archive. There was something like nearly 7,000 works produced by offenders from different sort of wings, from secure yeah. wings to mental health institutes, um, from as far as Rhode Island in, in America, but mostly UK yeah. um, establishments. And just to see the breadth, the complexity of humanity, both dark and light within yeah. that collection, really had a profound effect on me. And so with this brilliant album, The Black Pearl, which is absolutely brilliant. I mean, it's just brilliant. The musicians that I've admired, you know, Sonny, your Sonny Rollins is uh, the greats, the people, John Coltrane, etc. Um, just as a jazz musician, but as yeah. a human being as well, you, you hear the intention behind yeah. the music. Even when I saw Sonny play a concert like, seven years ago, he's an old man, but moving around the stage like he wants to get people to dance because yeah. he shoulder turns and there's this energy of like, I need to move people. I need to be yeah. moved. I need to play this instrument and I need to transform circumstances around me that this is who I am. Yeah. Not everybody plays with that intention and it's, it's really audible. Really well, you know, it's funny because like you, I've been so many, seen so many gigs, watch people and you watch some people, some artists mm. and you, they do, they are, they, it's like a, it's like an ocean inside you. They just move. It's like waves of emotion mm. and they're so captivating. And you're, you're one of those guys, sure. you know, but so when you do meet an artist that really sends shivers up your spine and you, you you feel something you've left yeah. that show feeling yeah. a, a roller coaster of emotions whatever that is whatever that is and you you know you don't have to be sure what they are that's when I yeah know, I, and I'm, I'm reluctant to call one of the persons absolutely you know I'm reluctant to call anyone else's practice you know errant or not not art but no that's it that's the their... reason my music sounds like that is the experiences I've had absolutely from playing in church I agree to growing up going to carnival. Yeah. where an MC takes the mic and the whole audience has to move. Like music is supposed to yeah. change stuff. It's supposed to move stuff. And that's just the way. Gotta move, it just has to move me in whatever, yeah. you know. And that's not to say when I watch someone else and they don't move me, they could move somebody else, you know, because their experiences yeah. are different. But there's for me personally, I when I've been to see someone or I listen to their stuff and I feel something so powerful inside and I can't mm. even explain it, that's when I know I'm just... Can't I get become obsessed with them? As you can tell, yeah. I'm always Instagram. I hear that. Absolutely brilliant. Thank you. You are brilliant. So I mean, after this album now, so the Black Pearl, so which I absolutely love. Are you? It's too soon yet. Are you? Are you thinking now of working on something else or? Um, I'm thinking of really extending the tendrils of the Black Pearl project beyond right. where it's been seen and heard so far. Yeah. Uh, one of the advantages of being an independent artist is you can say and create whatever you want. The disadvantage yeah. is to get seen, to get that visibility is, is often quite hard. So to have an album released with the same magnitude and impact as an EMI or Blue Note is yeah. actually impossible. However, I want to embark still, after this, these measures hopefully calm, yeah. to, I want to embark on a tour of the sites and the cities where race riots took place 100 brilliant. years ago. Well, because brilliant idea. So to go to whole um in fact i was in salford just at the point just before some of the lockdown started yeah chatting with the lowry um and a counselor there derek antrobus about outreach and how music can really sort of trace the historical footsteps because not a lot of people know he didn't until recently discovering it that salford his his kind of patch of salford had race riots a hundred years ago the yeah. idea that there were even enough black or brown or yellow people here to have race riots 
was quite a shock to me. Yeah, so my, my, my dad's from Salford. That's a great <laughs> idea because obviously that's, your album's about that. Um, mm. But that's a really clever idea. And will you do it? Um, will you put some visuals to as it as part well? of a tour? That's... Absolutely, of um, visuals, and I want to do site-specific performances that then I'll leak and promote on online, so people can get a sense of this history being being alive. That's not genius. remote, and it really is alive because. You know, I, I realised as soon as after the election that this really fitted into the whole Labour's lost its red war, traditional white working class communities. Yeah. What, what the hell is a traditional white working class well, community? Well, especially in 2020, what they're talking about. You yeah. know, Jesus but Christ. These places have always on. been diverse. Yeah, always exactly. Been diverse. Always been diverse. Because my family's from Salford. And, well, you, know, yeah. you know, and for example, I'm using an example, and they were never white working class. Yeah. That wasn't just, just working that class. Just working fact, class. It being was just working, working class. A hundred years ago was a, a disqualifier for being middle class. You know, you couldn't be properly white if you were Cockney or you were Scouser or something. This is literally <laughs> studied, you know, so the eugenic, eugenicists. Well, I agree with that with Scousers, but you know. <laughs> yeah, right. It was, it was considered science. People yeah. that inherited Francis Golson's. Uh, understanding of eugenics and went on to study it. Describe things like the Cockney race as being being a thing. So being class would made you subhuman, and now all of a sudden you've got vociferous people like Toby Young saying, you know, the white working class is in trouble. They're an endangered species. So these things are interesting. Oh, very, very endangered species. Bloody hell! Right. Whatever, Jesus. Oh. Well, this is why I make music and art and yeah. all this stuff to sort of challenge how ridiculous these ideas are yeah. and remind people that our similarities outweigh the differences. Hey, one, two, one, two. Let's go. Hey, but one, two, what? They said, keep sweeping toilets, driving trucks, but neoliberal dogma won't stop bodies from piling up. Nah. They don't want me checked, so I'm not on the death registry. Is this ostensibly why they're not testing me? For three years past, the NHS has needed CPR So now we see who they claim to be, be who they really are Now bolt the doors and lock your homes The re-smog stock just rolls We're all in this together, till you're on your own We see you, yep, yep, we really see you We see the trails of the receipts from the elites that feed you We see you, yep, these people venal You'd rather keep your seat with evil than heal the people Yep, we really see you We see the trails of their receipts from the elites that feed you Whoa! That was the incredible Soweto Kinch. And we heard his track, We See You, from his album, The Black Peril. Just a brilliant album. It's just a phenomenal album. It's one of my favorite albums out. We're plucky, heard immunized Brits. We're a different race. Hooray to your racism's filling up graves. We see you demonizing so we won't point the finger of blame. They said they're following the medical advice. So who gives a That's the show for this week and links to Soweto's music are in the show notes. Sisters in the Shadows are presented by me, Colette Cooper, and is a Pod People production. Thanks to the gorgeous Mikey Hansen and the gorgeous Jake Trappett for all their production help.
Don't forget to follow the Influences and Guests, Sisters in the Shadows Spotify playlist. Got some great, great songs on there now. And please, please help support Nordoff Robbins in any way you can. Links to their site are also in the show notes. And I'll see you next week. See you next Friday. Have a great weekend, guys. Keep safe. Loads of love.